welcome to Fluently Forward. I have my friend Cece on the podcast. Cece, welcome to Fluently Forward. How's it going? Uh, I am so happy to be here. I remember when you first started this podcast, so it feels like quite a journey to see you now, like in your little closet office. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you for saying that. It's funny because you and I met, I feel like, was it a year ago? It was cold. I think it was. It? Yeah, it was like a year ago. Um, it was just like for dinner and it was like the first time we had met each other. Yeah, you invited me to my first ever creator dinner. And I remember being, first of all, so excited. <laughs> and also I was like, oh, what a great hack. Instead of being a douche canoe and calling yourself an influencer, you could say you're a creator. And suddenly it doesn't sound nearly as annoying. And it's a lot more in line with what I feel like we do. So I was like, oh, my God, you gave me a great terminology that night. You know, I'm happy to help. And I think at that time I was also trying to meet people who weren't necessarily just trying to like make a bunch of ads um, yes. because that's what I thought being an influencer was and being a creator was. But uh, I've always felt a little bit like not ostracized, but like I didn't fit in with a lot of the people I saw on my feed. And then I saw your stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, she's like, you know, talking about things and um, like yeah, she, had, she has pores on her face and things <laughs> like that. You're like, look at it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look, she, she, she's had a nose job and talked about it like mm -hmm. I was like this is a this is a real person and I kind of want to get to know her so I selfishly I think I used that dinner as an excuse to just meet other people I wanted to meet I love that I love that well you honor me and you've had a very interesting people probably recognize you from TikTok and giving law advice and things like that but you've had a little bit of a journey over the last year I was excited to have you on because you recently launched your own podcast called currently workshopping what, maybe two months ago, three months ago? Uh, six weeks ago. I mean, I'm at okay. episode six. I think you're episode, you would be episode seven. So you're lucky. You're getting <laughs> Indeed. And your topics, you know, it's, it's not about law, although we are going to be talking about celebrity lawsuits and I'll be asking you for your like professional advice in this episode, but the topics you come up with, it's my favorite type of podcast because you literally talk about like zeitgeist trending topics everyone's interested in. I was just listening to your one about snark channels and like this idea of like skinny white girl influencers. You've also talked about um, scammers, the idea of marriage, the concept of like, should you quit your nine to five? How do you come up with all of these topics? Because they're literally every episode is a title that I myself has, have like wondered about. Yeah, well, I think that's part of it is that as I go through life, I'm always like, wow, I wonder what this means like for broader society. And that's one of the reasons I even went to law school in the first place was I wanted to think a lot about how our laws and rules regulate how we interact with each other and like our culture. And that's like what I really loved about it, right? Um, I mean, I was a tech lawyer. So a lot of what we see happen in tech is basically a an indication of where society is going, where society might be going poorly. I think there's always a lot of fear mongering about where tech is leading us. And I was just like, this is all fascinating stuff and I want to think about it more. Uh, and when it comes to my podcast topics, a lot of it is just like, I don't know, I'm like in my 
FYP, feeling my feels, like in my mm-hmm. emotions. And then I'm just like, why do I feel so bad? Or like, why yes. am I spending two hours like looking into this like random scammer who like will never know my name? And just yes. like giving that a little bit more credence, but also from, uh, I love like a liberal arts education. So anything where I can um, try to intellectualize things a bit more, I love doing. So this podcast was kind of my first foray into kind of marrying my legal background and kind of all the like highfalutin hoity-toity liberal arts discussion stuff with things that are actually what I want to think about, which is like pop culture, like what we're thinking, what you're thinking about. These things that like, you know, we might not always do a deeper examination of, like even celebrity gossip, right? Love it. But I'm also like, why do I care so much about what Alexis Bledel has done? Like, why do I care? But And you bring up such a great point. Like, also, we're conditioned not to take things that extra step. The whole basis of TikTok is they want you flipping through as much shit as you possibly can. And you and I have had some, like, great conversations over dinner where you really help me push things to the next level. Like, one of the things that I think you encourage is if you don't like someone, why don't you like them? And I think a lot of people on TikTok, you might be like, I don't like, I don't know, Miley Cyrus. And I think some people do the fake deep version of it on mm-hmm. TikTok where they go, that's because it's sexism or internalized sexism. Yeah. But you make people, you're like, okay, well, truly, why don't you like them? And I think you helped me realize that the reason I don't like Dak Shepard There is a reason for it. It's because I think that he comes across as condescending and I hate people who are condescending. So I think encouraging that extra step, right? Like, why do I feel like shit after I scroll on TikTok for two hours? Why does the phrase divine masculine trigger me in a way I don't know? Like, (laughs) people just don't take that step to do it. And you're kind of like coming at it from a sociological lens, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, because I think it helps me unpack my own emotions, right? Like, divine mm-hmm. masculine, I've never heard that for term, but I'm also like, divine feminine is a term that we throw around a lot, right? Or at least I've seen a lot, and it's like, why this and not that? Like, why does one thing matter to us so much, but like the other not so much? And that's kind of at the basis of everything is that like, I think being alive is hard and I want to somehow think through this whole process of being alive and hopefully in the process, like help other people think through their like emotions rather than just being like racism, sexism, misogyny. And like, those are definitely elements of it, but like, it's also deeper than that. Like the world doesn't fit into these like tiny neat boxes of just like, this was misogynist and that's why I hate it. Or like, I just don't like their, I mean, my favorite now is just like bad vibes. I don't like your vibes. Oh, dude. Yes. There's such a, and I promise to folks we'll get on topic soon, but I just (laughs) love this stuff. There's such a, and in one of your episodes, you were talking about snark channels and subreddits Mm -hmm. and pages and things like that. And I feel like this vocab terminology is making everybody stupider and less connected to what they actually feel. Like there was, snark channels aren't even fun anymore nowadays. Like I feel like three years ago, sometimes they would be fun, good, insightful points. Now it's just people bullying people online. It's not even insightful. And I remember I saw there was like, they posted a picture of this girl carrying toilet paper home and being like, isn't it embarrassing carrying toilet paper home? (laughs) Which it is, you know, everyone's like, oh God, now everybody knows that I wipe my ass. You know, it's just like a general feeling. And I remember somebody said, if this is the most embarrassing thing she's ever done, she really needs to be humbled. And that phrase needs to be humbled. I'm like, why don't you take the vocab out of it and say what you really feel, which is 
I want a bad experience to happen to this woman. Yeah. <laughs> I want this woman to feel bad. But instead, people wrap you know, snark and TikTok lingo into all of these phrases like she needs to be humble, like she needs this. And it's like, oh, my God, that's actually really insidious when you break it down. Are you not breaking it down? It's crazy. Yeah. So I I totally agree. And I think there's this like it's not even just like I want her to feel bad. It's like I want to feel better about myself. That's like underlying Mm. even that. Right. But we don't recognize that as much. And I admit, like I've scrolled through those and when it's not about anyone I know, or if it's about someone I adjacently know, I do like scroll through and I'm just like reading through it. I do feel a little bit better about myself going through. I'm like, oh, I'm not the person that they're talking about. Right. It's like eating junk food. Like I do feel a little bit better after consuming it, but does it make me a better person overall? No. And that's kind of how I feel about like all the snark channels, like those things now, which is funny because celebrity gossip, I think is like related, but yet I think somehow I don't care as much if they're like talked about in the same way. Yeah, because they do feel farther away. And and what we're going to be talking about today is you're going to be giving some professional opinions on a bunch of different celebrity lawsuits that have happened. And I feel like one of the things that sets celebrities apart from influencers is money. And a lot of people on TikTok, too, get it twisted. Anytime you see someone with a Dyson Airwrap, they're like, is that person the 1%? It's like, no, it's just like an influencer getting a matcha latte. Like, there's a difference here. And in some of these lawsuits... People are being sued for $50 million, $250 million. And I think that's when you have in the hierarchy, you know, you have influencer, celebrity, mm-hmm. and then God. And then you have some, you know, celebrities who are kind of in between God and celebrity. And that's yep. the Taylor Swift. That's, you know, the Donald Trumps. That's like these huge mega million mm-hmm. people. So before we get into all of these lawsuits, Give us a little bit of your background. I know, obviously, I'm going to be asking you about a bunch of different specialties of law that you might not know all of, but I just figure still your two cents would be better. God knows it would be better than <laughs> No, I am so happy to uh, give my professional opinion, but not legal yes. advice. Um, I think I have to disclaim that. I like listened to your episodes with Enti and I was like, why isn't he disclaiming this? Why isn't he disclaiming what he's saying? It like gave me so much anxiety. And I feel like, I don't know, being in the system of just like super cautiousness, like being afraid all the time, um, which is a little bit what being in like an, in a law firm instills in you. So I went to Harvard Law and I practiced law for about six years in New York um, in both the intellectual property and privacy space. And through that, a lot of it, the reason I got into it was because I, I loved tech stuff. I loved lawsuits around that. I love things about First Amendment, like the fact that there's mm. all these publications and how should we regulate them? Like, is it better for society if we do allow them to just publish whatever they want, right? I think a lot of the cases that we'll be talking about, some of them, like defamation is a very, very normal celebrity lawsuit. Um, It's not a normal celeb... Well, it's not a normal lawsuit for non-celebrities, though. Like, we usually do not go around suing people for defamation, but it's, like, the most common celebrity lawsuit. And I think part of that is because there's this, like, platform between the tabloids who have a lot of reach and then the celebrities being like, don't talk about me. And there's this, like, tension, right, between the First Amendment and also, like, privacy. So I just, like, Mm -hmm. love all of these, and that's kind of why I went into my field. And now I am... 
well, now I'm a writer, I guess. Um, I'll say I'm a writer and I like to write about these issues and kind of give this like legal background, legal lens, because I think I learned so much about what the legal system was, but more importantly, what it wasn't. And I think knowing what the legal system isn't helps us understand a lot more like celebrity lawsuits, but also just like what's going on in our world. Yeah. And understand, I mean, I, I get questions from people all the time. They're like, you could get sued for talking about this blind item. And I'm like, I don't think I could. Or they're like, I had a celebrity encounter, but like, I don't want to tell you what it was like when they were mean to me on the street, because then I could get sued. And I'm like, I think some people don't know what suing is. And then I, you know what I mean? Some people think it's nothing. And then some people think it's everything. Yeah. Like most things, the answer is somewhere in the middle, you know? So, um, so let's start diving into some of these ones. The first one, talking about tabloids, talking about First Amendment rights, we have two different lawsuits that were related to the Royals. The first one is Meghan Markle versus Associated Newspapers. This was a lawsuit. It was filed in October 2019 um, by Meghan Markle. So basically, this British newspaper publisher, they had published a handwritten, very emotional letter between her and her father. They were both estranged. She sued them for copyright infringement and breach of privacy. And it was a three year long legal battle, which I'm also curious, like, is that normal for, you know, all these legal battles to be right? It's just like known that they take a long time. And I'm just kind of wondering, um, will you think that lawsuits like this, there have been so many against newspapers. Do you think that the industry will ever change? Or do you think that there's no way tabloids will ever stop being tabloids, no matter how many times they're sued? Yeah, so I really hate everything to do with Meghan Markle and the UK tabloids because I think they are particularly vicious. Like, the UK tabloids are notoriously worse than even the US publications. I know, you would have thought we were the worst. And then I read some of their headlines and I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, I read somewhere it's because they just have more of them. So when you have more of them, you need to be more salacious to get, like, clicks, people to buy your stuff. So that's how it is. But, yeah, it's funny to think that this, like, kind of buttoned-up society with, like, the British accents, they actually have the worst tabloids ever. I know. (laughs) Isn't that wild? Although I feel like sometimes it makes sense, you know, the more buttoned-up you are Mm. on the outside, the more fucking vicious you are on the inside. Yeah. Like, you need a release valve or something, and this is it. Uh, but yeah so I think what's like heinous about the Meghan Markle stuff is aside from the fact that she's just been like really really viciously attacked by all of the UK tabloids in such a way that she had to like step back from the royal family right but it's also just uh the fact that they published a private letter. So the U.S., I think a U.S. publication also published the fact that she had written her dad a letter, right? But Mm -hmm. didn't end up publishing the actual letter itself. Uh, And this is kind of a question of like the, I think the claim was invasion of privacy. And the question is like, do you have a legitimate, reasonable expectation of privacy for this private letter that you wrote your dad? I think for like you and me, we would be like, well, duh, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's also like, do you have copyright over stuff that you write? Or once it's in someone else's hands, then yeah. is it public? Like, I, there are just so many lines that are very blurry about that stuff. Do you remember when boomers were going around and posting Facebook statuses oh being like, Every, everything I post on my Facebook is mine alone and, like, nobody can take it? And it's like, I don't know, kind of all of our stuff is out there. Like, we don't have that much privacy in today's world, I don't think. No, no. And I think it's – so, okay, when it comes to, like, copyright, if you are the person who, like, pressed the shutter, like, you are the person who, like, 
press the little button, then mm-hmm. you are the copyright owner. And for Megan, if she like penned the letter, then she's technically the copyright owner. But I think like copyright was kind of the in, it's not actually what she's trying to get at, right? Like her care was the privacy thing. And I think this is a common thing we see in legal battles, right? It's never about the actual claim for the most part. It's about something that mm-hmm. happened outside of the world. And then the person is like, like Megan Markle was probably like so distressed. She was like, what do I do about this? So she goes to a lawyer and the lawyer comes up with like, these are the 10 claims we can try to sue the person for to fix the thing. But it's never about like, it wasn't, she was like, oh my God, um, I wrote this beautiful letter. I think it's a work of poetry and the copyright Uh, is mine. And I actually wanted to like, make a book or sell it to someone like it was never about that it was always about that all the time with blinds because I remember um okay for example whenever I say Taylor Swift is queer I think allegedly (laughs) um people will go how dare you say that that is such a messed up thing to say that's like such a gross speculation but if I made a blind item saying Taylor Swift secretly, I've got this hunch that she's donating like millions of dollars to orphans. People wouldn't be like, that's a rumor that you're speculating on and it's weird because they like that. They think that's a good thing. But me saying that she could be dating a woman, they're like, that's actually sick and messed up. So like, don't spread that around. I'm like, what? Speculation is fine if you think she dated John Mayer, but not if you think she dated Carly Kloss. You know what I mean? So people's biases do come out like if Meghan Markle if news about her I don't know donating money or helping out a soup kitchen if that was published by the tabloids she also would have the same ability to sue them because privacy but she wouldn't want to because she would be like now everybody knows I was at a soup kitchen baby right like it's always about what's happening outside of the courts here and a lot of it is also just projection of like how you would feel in that situation like if a blind was written about Shannon being like Shannon volunteered at the soup kitchen guys um (laughs) and then she had a threesome with like the people there it's like ah no never mind take it away (laughs) you're like now I'm gonna sue that's invasion of privacy exactly Um, but yeah it's always like more about what's happening outside and I think that was like the Meghan Markle situation too is that uh she just felt very violated for airing your like private family affairs and I'm sure she probably got like pushback from the royal family as well because they have had like years-long battles with tabloids about what to do um in terms of like is there anything to do about it under U.S. law, at least, public figures have a lower expectation of privacy, but I think we all in the U.S. still kind of agree that publishing a private letter between, like, a family member that you're estranged from is yeah. that Like, that socially, we would be more. And, I mean, the court did end up siding with her. Yep. And what's also crazy is, that, now this happened back in 2012, but Megan, or sorry, Kate Middleton had an issue with the magazine Closer. And, uh... They published topless photos of her. Talk about, once again, another invasion of privacy. Um, Without her knowledge, these were snapped while she was sunbathing at a private villa. God, doesn't that sound nice? And (laughs) the royal family sued the magazine. And what I find really interesting was that uh, this is how much the magazine paid in damages, $119,000. Maybe this is just my Catholic upbringing, but I feel like they should have paid more than $119,000 topless pictures of Kate Middleton. I feel like that should be more money. Yeah. I mean, this is where the international angle really comes into play because I think Closer was a French magazine, right? And this was Mm, sued in like French courts. And in general, the U.S. is just like a lot more litigious and a lot more like cash flow when it comes to courts than 
in European countries. Do you think the European angle too is that in America we're like all buttoned up and it's like, well, we kind of are, but we kind of aren't. We're so weird about sex in America. But do you think that since it was a French magazine, they were like, what are you talking about? It's like a nipple. It's like no big deal here. You know, like I mean, we there, are free loving. There are more nude beaches in Europe, right? And it's like much more widely <laughs> accepted. Uh, and they probably were like, well, she looked great and she was topless. <laughs> great. Like, I don't know. We can go to nude beach anywhere and like say, see the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard that like it was um, grainy, like it was a really grainy photo. So it's like one of those, like, can you really see anything? Maybe if you like squint really closely. Uh, they originally did try to sue for like 1.4 million, which is probably mm. just enough to, or 1.4 million pounds um, or euros. It was one of the European currencies. And I think that was more of like, uh, you violated us and now we're suing for this. But the actual like damages, it's just... Yeah, it's not going to ruin yeah. your life, that type of photo. Fo- well, here's a question. Isn't there like a very famous... I don't know if this was a legal ruling or if this was something that happened politically, but somebody was trying to define porn, porno, pornographic yeah. material yep. and they were like, you know it when you see it yep. or something. Yep. Yeah. No, that's like one of the early cases about like, can we prohibit porn from being shown? Um, mm. I think it was over like, you know, cable, <laughs> but they were like, how do you define it? How do you know? And the judge really was like, you know it when you see it. <laughs> And I I feel like maybe that has something to do with like, I don't know, was Kate Middleton topless like porn? Maybe not. It was just like an image. There was also, I think in the closer case, uh, France doesn't really have a jury system for like civil cases. So Mm. you just don't have like in the US the same like, you know, 12 people from all around who might feel some sort of like moral outrage. Instead, you just have like a tribunal of like professional judges who are like, eh, this happens, like see it every day. Like that is literally their job. So they get a lot less like outraged, I think, by the things that you or I, if we like showed up on a jury, we might be like, oh my God, this was the worst thing. Like they owe them so much money. Jury of like all women, you know, stuff like that. Like it it would go completely, well, that kind of makes me want to skip over to another one because I kind of want to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Now, obviously, I feel like this was, I feel like you have O.J. Simpson and then Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It blew up in a way that I do not think anyone was expecting other than Johnny Depp's team because I think they paid for it to blow mm-hmm. up and I think they paid for bot teams. There are so many different things going on with this trial. First of all, I think the bot teams and the amount of attention it got. But something else that I found really interesting and I would love your take on is that this jury was not sequestered. So basically after the trial happened, they would like go home or to their hotel room or whatever, and they could fully log online and watch, I don't know, TikToks, YouTube videos, whatever, a compilation video of Amber being the worst, compilation video of Johnny being the worst, full on being manipulated and probably engaging with all of these different bots that were being paid for by the Johnny Depp team. Why do you think they weren't sequestered and who gets a say in how that happens with the jury? Yeah, that was really fascinating to me too. I I think the issue sometimes is like when it comes to things like sequest sequestration, uh sequestering, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the like castration. <laughs> essentially I mean you have to stay in a hotel room and never see anyone right so I think the issue with like a lot of these procedural issues is that 
they are decided like months before the trial actually starts, right? There's like Mm. so much pretrial stuff uh, that the lawyers will like go back and forth and like petition the court for, right? Like first we had, I think they had a petition for like it to be televised and then they have to like petition the court for and make motions about like what evidence will be admitted. So this is like kind of when that is all happening. And I don't think the, the lawsuit was that big of a deal until it started. Like, I don't, I, I kind of knew that it was going to happen, but I don't know. Did you know that? It well, was- I mean, I had heard rumors, of course, about the poop and then rumors <laughs> about the threesome between Elon Musk, Cara Delevingne, and Amber Heard. But, like, I'm talking about the salacious stuff that just in the blind items, I was like, oh, my God, have you heard about this? But, yeah, the average person didn't really know that, like, the anything about happen. it. Yeah, and the fact that you could walk down the sidewalk in New York and people in their 60s were at dinner being like, did you hear what happened with the trial? I'm like, yeah. okay, now it's taken over everywhere. Yeah, so I think because it had relatively muted press coverage before the actual trial, eh, it, it was probably not, like, on the defense team's mind that they had to, like, do something or, like, make a special motion. And in general, I think the defense team was a little unprepared for what they were getting into when it came to like, like, yeah, yeah. they just like did not seem prepared for just like Depp's lawyers to do the things that they did, like to levy the arguments that they did to cross-examine Amber Heard the way that they did. And I mean, the appeal is interesting because um, I think Amber Heard fired, not fired, but like she, she's assembled a new team. And the new team is going to focus on a little bit different of an argument than they did in the trial. And I think in that case, you're always like, okay, clearly she, or at least her team has recognized that they did something not the best way in the actual trial. And now they're trying to like fix it. Well, I mean, it's bizarro that Johnny Depp lost his case against the son, but then won the case about against Amber Hurt. Like that's just absolutely bizarre for that to happen so like he can be called a wife beater in England but not here in the states like how does that make any sense yeah yeah and and I think this is the case that a lot of lawyers and legal commentators just found so surprising because it is like much easier to you know win your case in the UK than it is to like win your defamation suit in the US so the fact that this was like totally flipped I think made everyone see that it really was not so much like about the law. It was or, about like, the public opinion. Yeah. More. yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is always the case with juries, right? Is that it's like a little bit about the law, but when it comes to juries, it's like more about moral outrage and like what they think in that moment. And there's a lot more of like a theatrical element to what you're trying to do. And you're trying to appeal to emotions a bit more than um, just like technical legalities. How scary is that, though? You know, because I, I just feel like with every year we get more and more outraged. Like, I just see articles, too, where you could literally take something good that happens. But you know how there's all of these, you know, psych studies that have been done about how people click on negative news more than yep. positive news. So there could be news about how um cat was rescued from a tree by a firefighter. And I swear to God, media companies nowadays would present that story as, you know, Due to global warming, the leaves have fallen on this tree, which meant that this poor cat was stuck up there. Like, here's why we should be mad about it. It's like, well, we should be happy he got down from the tree with the firefighter. But everything spun to really outrage people. Like, I don't know. It's just all of the content that we consume. So, I like, 
I kind of think that's really freaky. The concept of having a jury of your peers sounds mm. so lovely and so fantastic until bot teams are out there and then you're totally fucked. Yeah. And I think this is the thing I've like learned from posting online is I, you know, I think it's easy to think everyone thinks like you and uh, a jury of your peers will literally be like a jury of your 12 friends who have you ever gone to the airport, pick 12 people at the airport. You know how people can't even get through the security line. You're like, who are these dumb asses? That's the jury of your peers. Take 12 of them in line behind you at TSA. And then there you go. That's who's judging you. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think sometimes when I get comments, right. And I'm just like, why are you saying that? Like, are, are you okay? Like, this is just patently wrong. Like, uh, I mean, I talked about like marital property and like what marriage is for. And I got a comment that was like, marital property means that you cannot make a $10,000 purchase without the permission of your spouse. A man, this is why men cannot buy motorcycles without their wife's permission. And I was like, (laughs) what? And then of course they ended it with like, um, didn't they teach you at that at Harvard law? And that's when I was like, I know they didn't teach me this. And do you ask your wife before you buy a motorcycle? Like that's, the whole thing is so bizarre. And I'm like, this is the person who's going to be on a jury though, you know? Yes. You hope that's one of Johnny Depp's bots gone rogue in your comments instead. But like, it, it really, I've seen some staggering stuff where you have to sit back and be like, are we good? I don't think we're good, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, and that's like exactly the people that are, on these juries. When I was on some trials that were thinking about going to just like a jury trial, our clients would spend like so much money doing mock juries and like mock Mm. jury selection. Like, uh, that would be like a whole thing because of how fickle juries can be and how much they need to like control and study it. It's like you do law, but you also do like, I don't know, a PR campaign slash like a consumer (laughs) survey group type thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, right? If, if you're judging it by the jury, I like, would I want to have a good lawyer? Yes. I would also want someone who's so skilled and tapped in to human emotion and can read people's faces. Like, that's who I would want on my team if I, you know, got to pick it. <laughs> One day when I get sued for all of these blind items, I'll be like, <laughs> okay, we're going to have CC represent me. <laughs> and then I'll be like, all right, maybe I will dust off my, like, legal license, represent you. I'm not going to lie, like, it would be great content. So if anyone wants to sue me for a low amount of money. Tis the season. It is the season for sales, and it is the season to try new things. I want to talk to you about America's best value meal kit. I am talking about every plate. Every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping, and the reason I love using meal kits, I live alone. And sometimes you want to cook a fun recipe, maybe something you saw online. You don't want to buy an entire bottle of mustard just to use a squirt of it in your recipe. And what every plate does is that they will send you meal kits direct to your doorstep. You get to pick what type of recipe you want. They have these um, changing recipes that you can choose 21 different ones every week. And they will send you the right proportions of ingredients, exactly what you need for your recipe. So if you want to try every plate, you can get your first box for just $1.49 per meal going to everyplate.com and you enter the code fluently149. So once again, you go to everyplate.com and enter code fluently149. So that is a $110 value that you will be getting there. 
Now, here's a question. Normally, I am not. Normally, I am endorsing conspiracy theories and not mm-hmm. proving them to be incorrect. But I will say, when it comes to the Depp Heard case, a lot of people were saying this is televised, but the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was not. Now, I don't think that this is something that was being pushed down because of all the big, powerful pedophiles that exist. But what I heard was that state cases mm-hmm. versus federal cases being televised, there is a difference. Is that correct? Yeah, so states can have their own rules with respect to, like, allowing cameras in the courtroom, and federal courts also can have their own rules. I think generally federal courts do not allow televised hearings. Sometimes I think the Supreme Court does allow for, like, audio, um, Mm. but there's really a huge concern in the legal community that if you allow in cameras, it'll somehow, like devolve the courtroom into a kangaroo court or just like pure chaos and like make it a spectacle in a way that is like uh it's offensive to the practice of law and oh (laughs) yeah there's like a lot of like conservatism traditionalism in a lot of it right and I think that's why like the few televised cases that we do have like OJ like put in on the glove baby yeah yeah yeah. like they are like a little bit more theatrical because I think you're like playing to the jury sure but like you're also playing to the camera and this is a level of theatricality that I think in general like the law wants to rein back because they want to be like we are the law and like they want to hold this fiction that everything that happens is correct and everything that happens is like technically legal in accordance with all the rules and like nothing bad could happen but um yeah state cases they can set their own rules some of them do allow cameras in the courtroom and I think this was in Virginia right like Virginia allowed it and Mm -hmm. Depp's team decided to take advantage of that and they really did take advantage of that like good good for them like they really were good advocates for Depp in this case yeah I mean nobody can't say that they didn't pull out all of the stops for him you know what I mean like god and what did you say was a kangaroo 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 court court? yeah (laughs) I think that's so funny (laughs) okay well here's another question about you Britney Spears versus Jamie Spears the whole idea of a conservatorship, and you know what? I squashed one conspiracy theory, but three cheers to the free Britney, because if you would have yeah. talked about it, you know, back in 2010, 2015, you got called a crazy conspiracy theorist, and now it turns out that it's true. Nobody ever gets their roses being a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but whatever. And this is something that I think before Britney Spears, nobody really knew what a conservatorship was. And then he found out what it was, and it seemed really sinister. Now, I, I believe, let me know if I'm correct on this, most conservatorships are done with elderly people, if you've got dementia, if you've got someone who can't take care of themselves. Very rarely is it used for working you know, adults who are capable, especially Britney Spears, who's going out on tour and performing and generating millions of dollars. I don't think there's ever been a conservatorship where someone in a conservatorship is generating millions of dollars every year. So do you think because of this Britney Spears case, are conservatorships going to be more rare or are they going to up kick in popularity? Are we going to see them, I don't know, used for people more than just the elderly? Like, do you think this Britney Spears case is opening it up to where maybe, I don't know, an abusive family member might say, ooh, let's like get my daughter in a conservatorship or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I do hope that the Britney situation has drawn more light to like what a conservatorship is. And one of the heartbreaking things um, 
during the end of this whole saga was when Brittany did tell the court, like, I didn't know I could petition to end this. Like, yeah. she just did not know that she could petition to end it. And I think that's how people feel a lot about things in the law, right? Like, they don't know that they have recourse. They don't know that they have options. And while I wouldn't say, like, go to law school to learn about all your options, but, like, one of the good things about going through this education and, like, learning more about the law is, like, realizing that, for the most part, like, you have a ton of options. But It's like reading the instructions yeah. on a board game. Like, you go to law school and you find out how the board game works. Everyone else is like, ah, I'm just going to roll the dice and, like, see what happens. Yeah, except the board game rules are, like, I don't know, a, a whole entire encyclopedia, and you're just like, okay. It takes four years to read through them and stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's kind of the thing that Brittany did is that she made it more transparent to people like what a conservatorship is. I think, yeah, generally you're supposed to use it for like, I mean, if your parent, like say your dad remarried and then their new wife seems to be like, I don't know, using a lot of his money, right? And like yeah, you kind of see Evil this. stepmother type yeah, like, situation. Let's take evil stepmother trope. And then you're like, okay, wait, I feel like something is going on. That's when you can petition for a conservatorship and be like, I think my dad's being like unduly influenced, all of that. So that's like, I think the good application of it. But the bad application is just what happened with Brittany, which is first, I mean, I think she was having a lot of mental health issues at that time. I through really not entirely her fault. I think there was a lot of like paparazzi involvement and the way we treated celebrities back in like the late 2000s was just like pretty, pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. And they took a temporary conservatorship because it was supposed to be temporary and they kept on extending it until they did get to petitioning for a permanent one. And the thing I found fascinating about like the petition for a permanent one is Brittany did not... Uh, she didn't say anything. She didn't oppose it. And usually in these situations, right, it's like the law isn't meant really, well, besides like criminal cases, that's a separate matter. But for everything else, the law will not intervene. The court will not intervene if people agree on everything. Like if the two parties agree, the law is not yeah, going to be like. It's name versus yeah, name. You know, yeah. it's two people, yeah, facing off. Right. It's two people facing off. So if it's like Jamie v. Brittany and Brittany was like, I'm not going to oppose it the court's not going to be like, you know what, maybe you should oppose it. Like, I'm going to recommend that you look into this more. The funny yeah. thing about, like, when the permanent conservatorship was instituted was the judge said at the time, I think, she is susceptible to undue influence. And I was like, why would you both say that? And also be like, hey, Brittany, you didn't object to this. And I trust that your lack of objection is not due to undue influence, right? Like, that's weird. Like, yes, you're right. It's like, you, it's like when you're, I don't know, it's like saying that somebody pleads insanity and then be that insane person. It's like, well, whatever they say is true. It's like, what? You just said that they couldn't plead for something, right? So if she was in a conservatorship, even if it was temporary, and then she represented herself after being in a temporary conservatorship to get out of it. Or sorry, not to get out of it. She's in a temporary conservatorship. Yeah. Then they petitioned to make it permanent. But it's still Brittany versus Jamie in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, she just said, I'm fine. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, you think that she could be unduly influenced, but you don't think her dad unduly influenced her at all. So you're like... 
okay, we're just going to take her word for it. Like, she yeah, it's almost it. bizarro. It's mm-hmm. almost like then it would, instead of Britney Spears versus Jamie, it would have to be like the public versus Jamie because who's going to represent Britney? She's being right. controlled by Jamie. She's in like the camp of Jamie, basically. Yeah. And when you do have like huh. minors in this situation, right? Like the court appoints someone, they're called like a guardian ad litem to represent the minor's interests, to like really like be a third party to be like, hmm, this seems like weird. Like, I think maybe we should like petition for something else petition for like more evidence gatherings all of that but like because Brittany is an adult she didn't get that so it's like this catch-22 where she's like adult enough to make like her own pleas and stuff but mm. not adult enough to not be in a conservatorship like the whole thing was just like really really backwards and full of contradictions yes god that's a good point Okay, interesting. There's also, of course, been blind items about Lindsay Lohan. Allegedly, back in the day, they were trying to get her into a conservatorship. And a lot of people, well, you know what? Let's skip to this Kanye one because a lot of people nowadays are like, you talk about someone who should be in a conservatorship, (laughs) Kanye West. Like, if a woman did half of anything that he's done. Exactly. So he has a lawsuit of his own. This was recent, um, as of October of this year. And it is. He's been sued, or let me know if I'm getting the verbiage correctly, or like a lawsuit has been attempted towards him or something, from George Floyd's family. Now, they filed a $250 million lawsuit against him because of his rapper, because, because sorry, because <laughs> of his comments as a rapper on George Floyd's death. Basically, he went on a podcast and he said that the cause of George Floyd's death was fentanyl being in his system, not his neck being kneeled on for 9.5 minutes as he repeatedly said that he couldn't breathe. And then also, too, the police department and the hospital said that his cause of death was his neck being kneeled on for 9.5 minutes. And as well, the Department of Justice um, in September of 2021 announced department-wide policy changes removing the chokehold. So a lot of people, I think, didn't know this, but when we all watched that incredibly horrific video of George Floyd, his neck being kneeled on, that was by the book at that moment in time. There's two different things that you can do in the police department, or at least you could back then. One was called a conscious neck restraint and one was called an unconscious neck restraint. So weeks after George Floyd's death, the police department in Minneapolis removed that. And then it took about another year for the Department of Justice to remove that unconscious neck restraint, which basically says that you can legally have someone pass out by pressing on the sides of their neck until the blood flow is blocked to their brain, which also anytime blood flow is blocked to your brain, that can really mess with your brain. Yeah. You know, you not a lot of people like come back from being unconscious and their brain is in exactly the same state. So that has now been removed. We have the hospital signing off on it, the police department signing off of it, and the Department of Justice saying that these chokeholds can no longer exist. And Kanye West still says it was due to fentanyl. Now, I think this gets really interesting. It's two things. One is with the First Amendment and this idea of defamation. So a lot of people are saying that this lawsuit doesn't have anything to stand on because there's no living person whose reputation has been damaged and it's the family filing this lawsuit on their behalf. And then the other path of the lawsuit would be the allegation of intentional infliction of emotional Mm -hmm. distress. And then they said that that would be difficult to claim. That has to prove that the statements were intentional or reckless outside the bonds of decency, morality, and connected to viable harm. So I'm very curious. We're also going to talk about Alex Jones and Cardi B because they've also had lawsuits in this spectrum. But number one is $250 million, goddamn, 
what do you think is going to happen to that number? And then also number two, every idiot, including myself, now has a podcast. So how many of these lawsuits are we going to be seeing in the future where someone talks out of their ass and then ends up getting sued? Like, what do you think the future of that is? Yeah, I mean... Well, if you're going to sue Kanye, right, like, you're probably going to put a large amount on it. I think you have to, like, detach the amount uh, of damages or claims from what is actually happening on, like, kind of, like, the legal perspective. Because normally, even though the amount makes for, like, a sexy headline, what usually happens is, like, you'll actually litigate the underlying, like, claim. So, in this case, like, was it defamatory? Was it intentional infliction of emotional distress? And then maybe as, like, a second stage, like, figure out damages. Um, You don't So everyone always starts big and then goes smaller. Yeah, like, you always start big. Like, what's the point of, like, starting off small, right, when you're suing Kanye West? You kind of understand that, like... See, I'm such a non-believer in myself. I'd be like, let's, like, put it through through 2000 and, like, hope we get that. You know what I mean? That's why that's why there's all these big men in law because they're like, ah, why not make it something crazy yeah. shoot for the moon? You just like throw out there. Um, you kind of use everything as like a starting negotiation, like recognizing that it probably will go down. This happens a lot in like when I was working with clients who were trying to settle cases, right? Our client might authorize like, you know, I authorize settlement up to a hundred million, for example. And then mm-hmm. we would go to the plaintiff suing and then be like, you know, how's we think 30 million is appropriate. And they're like, okay. And then they come back. And like, even though we're authorized a certain amount, like there's this whole like song and dance about what's going to happen. But the bigger you make the amount in the beginning, right? The more likely you're going to appear in the newspaper headlines. And for a lot of these people, right? It's not so much about like, are they going to win out in court? It's, are they going to get the media attention that they want? Are they going to like get the kind of like moral societal uh, reprimand of this person? And, you know, the final amount could well, be, like, a certain amount. Don't you but like, think that's mm-hmm. kind of hard, too? Because, and obviously, I completely agree with this family. I mean, there, to yeah. me, there's no doubt at all that his cause of death was his yes. neck being kneeled on. That was what killed him. But, obviously, you know, not everyone in the country thinks the same as us. Do you think that there are going to be some people who look at that $250 million and they go, oh, well, that family's just being greedy. Now I'm on Team Kanye. But if the amount was smaller, they would have said, you know what? That was a messed up comment that he made. Kind of like how do you gauge playing the politics and the psychology if you are trying to sway people over to your side and and get that support? Does a big number like that sometimes turn people off, especially if like we're not doing well economically and everybody's struggling? I think it could if it was, I don't know, against like you and me when we don't have $250 million at all. I think Kanye is not against, yeah, Kanye is in a special spot because I do think when we think about billionaires, we're like, well, could they afford 250 million? I mean, this happens with corporations all the time, right? I think Facebook was fined for like privacy violations in Europe and it was like 18 million or something like that. But it, that's like nothing to them. It's a like, drop in the bucket yes. of Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it is kind of like, yes, could it get people over to, you know, Kanye side if Kanye were smaller? I mean, I think some people are going to be on, on Kanye's side regardless, but These are kind of the considerations when you do enter into, like, litigation. When you're, like, contemplating litigation, you're supposed to have, like, these conversations with your attorney. Well, it's like the uh, Olivia Rodrigo versus Paramore. You know what I mean? The fact that she was such a new artist, I think it turned a lot of people off of Paramore being like, oh, you're just going after this, like, tiny girl who dropped her first album. So 
Yeah, you're right. I think the the placement and the status of whoever's being sued sometimes does make an impact on Totally. Like, Even at what, like, I think, like, Haley Bieber's skincare line, there was, like, a trademark lawsuit filed immediately by a smaller yes. company. And, I mean, trademark infringement, it, it's, like, a valid claim, but it's also, like, the timing is interesting, right? Like, the use of lawsuits as a PR thing isn't new at all, but yeah. you kind of have to, like view lawsuits, especially public lawsuits, as both PR and just, like, a legal issue. Well, I mean, it's good for a headline, right? Like, I wouldn't know about that small makeup business unless they had sued Haley Bieber, so... Yeah. You know? Caraway. Caraway cookware. I know them. I love them. You know them. You love them. Everybody's obsessed with Caraway, and here is why. They basically make cookware sets that have bunch of different features to them. First of all, they're non-toxic. I have watched so many documentaries that have scared me half to death about all of these toxic materials in our cookware sets and our water bottles. When you use Caraway products, they are completely non-toxic. You don't have to worry about any of that when you're cooking. They are also incredibly easy to cook with. So I have the cream Caraway cookware set. I never realized how much I was kind of averse to cooking because I was cooking with subpar products. When you cook with Caraway cookware, they have a naturally slick surface. That means you don't have to coat your pans with all of this oil or butter to be able to have your eggs slide off the pan or anything like that. And they're just incredibly well-loved. They're the gold standard of cookware. Over 30,000 people have raved about their Caraway kitchen. So now you can try it for yourself. You can go to carawayhome.com, take advantage of their cyber season event, and you can score up to 20% off your next purchase of non-toxic kitchenware. This deal will not last long, so visit carawayhome.com to shop all of their incredible products for up to 20% off this holiday season. Caraway. Okay, so so what do you think about, and real quick, I'll just bring up the Alex Jones case and the Cardi B case, because I feel like they're all kind of a little bit tied Mm -hmm. together. So... Alex Jones was recently said that he had to pay, and I mean, this is even more staggering, and I do not think Alex Jones has this type of money. I don't even know what he sells, like crazy pills, (laughs) but he has to pay $473 million in damages for his remarks on this Sandy Hook and everything that happened there. And then Cardi B recently won a lawsuit against YouTuber Tasha Kay basically making allegations that Cardi B has herpes and other things like that. So Cardi B filed the lawsuit in 2019. I think she won in 2022, $4 million in damages. So do you think, basically, maybe I'm asking selfishly for myself with blind items, what does it take (laughs) to sue someone who says something on a podcast or in a YouTube video? And I've always heard that it's really hard to win these like first amendment defamation cases, but it looks like it's kind of becoming easier to win these things now. Yeah. So when you're talking about like a public figure for defamation, the standard is actually pretty high. It's like actual malice, which is a uh, kind of a legal term for like, I knew it was wrong and I said it anyway, or like mm. I said it with like a gross disregard for what the truth was. Like, Um, Like, you really just don't care and you didn't do any sort of due diligence on your part to, like, verify. You just, like, were so angry or just 
you know, mad at the celebrity for some reason. And that's actually like the legal standard, which is interesting because I do think we see these cases in front of juries, right? I think like Alex Jones was jury. Um, I think Cardi B was jury where they don't care as much about that, right? Like they are looking at it more so through the lens of like, how do I feel about all this? Um, how would I be mad if someone did this? How much would I want to be paid if someone did this to me? Uh, and they want like their, the ward of damages to kind of be a statement and a deterrent um, against future people doing the same thing, more so than just like a very, very consistent legal verdict that mm. is consistent with like all of the laws and cases before it. So generally it's like, if it's in front of a jury, you're kind of like, out to see by yourself and at that point this is when people who are being sued and have are facing a jury trial they like really think hard about just settling because like then you're just like rolling the dice so for you I'd be like well you know if a if a celebrity is like mad enough like of course they can sue that's kind of the beauty of being a celebrity you have enough money to sue whoever you want it doesn't even have to hold water you just have to like scare them and this is the biggest issue with our legal system I think is that it can be used in a way to just coerce people into doing things that you want them right yeah 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 it's like it can be a tool of intimidation and coercion rather than a tool of justice hmm Interesting. Well, I also find it because obviously the, the amount of money is enough <laughs> to scare people. Nobody wants to be sued. And you hear that from people all the time, even rich people who have the money. They're like, you don't want to be sued. It's just like a pain in the ass to go through. There are some cases like we have the um, Taylor Swift case versus the radio DJ mm. who allegedly groped her. But I say allegedly. Can you stop saying it after the lawsuit, after the case has been won? Can you just say that he groped her because that's what they proved? Yeah. Yeah, if okay. that was like part of the He groped her. Or the yeah. <laughs> he groped her and I stand by it, but she countersued him. Basically he ended up losing his job over the assault. So mm-hmm. then he tried to sue her and then she countersued him for a symbolic one dollar because she wanted the trial just to serve as an example to other women and things like that. I gotta know, are there any other lawsuits that have been over one dollar just for symbolic purposes, or was that the first one of its time? I think you definitely can do it. I like remember reading some like contract cases back in law school about how like, you know, you do have to have alleged like minimum stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, people have been like, okay, $1 because I like want to go to trial. Like they want, and in those cases, like it's always a lot more about uh, the like precedent setting, the like, what does this mean for society? I want people to know like PR element of mm-hmm. the courts rather than just like I was really harmed and now you need to make me whole, which is, I think, typically how people, like, view courts and litigation. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the first time that there's been, like, $1 of a lawsuit. Yeah, and you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, too, I'm like, she should have done 13 <laughs> to be on brand. <laughs> Although, can you imagine? He grabbed my ass, and it's a PR move. So, okay, a couple more ones here. I'm trying to think, like, which, like, few final ones. This one just tickles me, so I have to include it. <laughs> Goop versus the state of California, the court's vaginal egg. It ended up going in a lawsuit. So basically, 
California prosecutors said that Goop made claims regarding the detox egg, like suggesting that it could improve bladder control or, prefe- or prevent uterine prolapse, and they were not supported by competent and reliable science. And the judge agreed, so Goop had to settle the lawsuit with $145,000 and promised to refund any consumer who purchased the egg between certain months in 2017. First of all, hilarious, but the question I have for you Everyone makes jokes out of, uh, you know, anytime you buy a child's toy and it says, caution, choking, do not let them do this with this, don't let them put it up their ass, don't let them do it in the water, (laughs) don't let them eat it, like anything of that. Are those warning products put in to prevent lawsuits happening or are they put in because a lawsuit happened so now they have to be on them? It's usually the latter. So like when you do see those things, you have to take a moment and be like, oh my God, this was like a case. And now they're trying to like, I don't know, prevent it from happening in the future and prevent like, I mean, even like the, what, coffee cups, right? They do say like caution hot. And well, remember that, that like McDonald's case? McDonald's. Yeah. But okay, everyone says that. So basically there was a case famous for McDonald's. This woman grabbed coffee from the drive-thru, I think. It spilled on her. She sued because the coffee was too hot. And everyone makes fun of the woman for that case. She had the flesh come out of, off of oh, her yeah. skin. It was da- it was dangerous. And the coffee yes. was too hot. The coffee was hotter than like the prescribed normal levels. Yes. Everyone's like, oh, she was such a Karen. I'm like, I don't know. Have you ever had your flesh burn off of your hand? I would probably sue someone too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know what? They do make coffee too hot. How much do you hate getting a coffee and then you have to wait 10 minutes for it to cool down? Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm like a steadfast, like cold brew iced coffee person. Yes. Because like, sometimes you just want coffee right away. You don't want to have to blow on it, and then it spills onto your hand, burns yeah. your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, well, but, yeah, that's why, like, all the coffee cups now say, like, caution hot, and you just have to have, like, those warnings on stuff. It's a lot. I mean, I think Goop is interesting because it's the it's like the beginning of how we're trying to regulate like these like pseudo health wellness products that are popping up. Detox tea. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a new field. Like it's a new area that hasn't really been regulated before because we just didn't have like this weird wellness sphere as much where we did have like food and kids toys and like those were lawsuits that did happen. So I think we're kind of like on the vanguard of what is going to happen with all these like celebrities and influencers who like push out these health products and well I don't know if they can even say it's health these like wellness products and the state is going to be like well what are you advertising what are you marketing is it unsafe but there's like really a tension now between uh the celeb influencer culture of like this is how I uh this is like my daily routine and it involves this like vaginal egg that I stick in my vagina for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> like you just have that tension now between like influencers sharing their yeah. lives. And then, and then put like, lemon water up my ass. Yes. <laughs> yes. <come> together. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, like the federal agency or state agency being like, that's an advertisement. That's an advertisement. So therefore you owe like a higher duty of care to your audience. But like, yeah, like, we're kind of just like at the vanguard of this. Like what is just sharing your life and what is advertising and marketing that requires like consumer protection. Yeah. Suggestion versus recommendation versus advertisement and, and how that's all different. I also think too of, um, all of the words and you're right. You see this everywhere in wellness. There was this thing I was thinking of getting done. Uh, what was it? I was like, I want to get to your trow or trough, however you say it fillers, but 
I'm so scared of going blind. Yeah. And there's this new thing they have at Everbody where they take your blood. It's like oh, crazy. God. And then they spin it and it creates some sort of plasma and then they inject it under your eye and it's supposed to help. And I was like, okay, what does it do? And they said, it encourages the growth of collagen. I'm like, if I'm paying that much for it, I don't want it to encourage collagen. I want it to make it and have it live in my skin. I don't want it to be encouraged or stimulated or mm -hmm. encourage the growth of it. So I wonder about all of those phrases too, you know? Like you see it on um, charcoal toothpaste or different eye creams. They go, 90% of women saw an increased appearance of what they thought might be something here, but they can't actually prove that there's going to be a fact of what's mm -hmm. going to change about you. Instead, yeah. they just say it encourages something. Yeah, I mean, this is an is issue with the cosmetic industry, like, writ large, right, is that it's kind of hard to sue for things that are, like, elective operations because, like, yeah. you did elect to do this and, like, did it not work out? I don't know. They told you. They, like, told you it might not work out. It only encourages collagen. So can you really, like, be mad? But on, on the other hand, like, there is something sinister about, like, pushing all of these cosmetic procedures on really impressionable young women for the most part and then being like well sorry it went bad like sorry it wasn't under the supervision sorry you went blind yeah, yeah. Like, like it was only 0.3 percent of people who do right and then I don't know it's just like how do you how do you litigate or resolve that regret in society like how do you how do you even like regulate this I feel like the court's might be a way to do it, but it, there needs to be something more than just like one lawsuit by someone and now they set the example and maybe that will happen in a few years, right? Like someone will sue and even though it will be a whole new awarding of damages, like we were all surprised by the Depp Heard case. So like we could be surprised by this as well. Yeah. There's obviously a few more. I mean, there's just so many lawsuits <laughs> that have happened. We've got ones with Jennifer Lawrence, Sophia Vergara, Kira Knightley, Travis Scott, of course, Lindsay Lohan. I'll be throwing some of them on the Substack this week, fluentlyforward.substack.com. I almost forgot the URL. <laughs> but the last question I want to ask you is, obviously, we have things moving so much with wellness, with influencers, with celebrities. If you had to take a guess, because your finger is so on the pulse of everything, over the next five years, what would you say is going to be a lawsuit or something that we see happening here that we wouldn't expect? Like, do you think it's going to be related to emojis or like the metaverse or Venmo or crypto, something like that? I do think crypto, um, the metaverse, anything where there is like a lot of trust me, I will make you more money things is mm. ripe for a lawsuit. And we're kind of starting to see those, right? I think Celsius, that like bank, crypto bank, crypto lending service went bankrupt like earlier. Oh my this God. Year. I thought you meant the energy drink. And I was like, I should sue them <laughs> because whenever I drink it, I feel like I'm, my heart's going to explode. <laughs> but okay. They're also a crypto thing. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a common name. I think they're called <laughs> Celsius. Uh, but like they, uh, they're facing lawsuits right now for, just consumers giving their crypto assets over to them. And I think in general, financial institutions, like anything to do with finance is like the first 
area that will see these lawsuits when it comes to like consumer goods right it's always just it lags a little bit behind because like the average consumer doesn't have as much power to sue they don't have as much money uh you kind of have to have like a federal agency pay attention and then be like you know what Gwyneth Paltrow you are harming (laughs) consumers at large but like that went too far with the egg yeah yeah yeah. whereas like when it's like obviously related to money you have like the financial institutional investors you have like the hedge funds the like private equity companies the like just like really rich people who might do it. And like for them, lawsuits are just part of their existence. Like, yes, it sucks, but like if it will help you get your money back or if it will raise your standing as like, I don't know, a crypto evangelist, like you're going to do it. Like that's worth it for you. So I think anything obviously like a little bit more like crypto web three metaverse, that's strictly obviously paying money. Um, that's going to be, where we should look for. And then of course, consumer goods and everything kind of like follows after that. Interesting. Okay. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled. Um, I mean, hopefully it probably won't be affecting any of us. Let's pray to God. (laughs) Um, And also if let's say this is just random, let's say somebody gets sued for something and they have no idea where to start or what to look for. Are there any law, um, I don't know, advocates or websites Mm -hmm. or blogs that you would be like, if you're ever in a lawsuit, like check this out as your first stop. Yeah, I think each, like, state bar association website actually has, like, resources for, like, oh, Mm. my God, I got sued. Like, what do I do? Or, like, where do I go? Including if you don't have any money, right? Like, they, each state's bar association does have resources for, like, legal aid. Um, If you're, like, I just don't have money to respond to this, but I don't know what to do. So they actually want to, like, encourage use of legal resources, even if it's not, like, paid, Uh, So I think like, you know, your state name and then bar association website is like a great place to start. And things in law are so like jurisdiction specific that like your state is like the best way to start tackling this. And then hopefully they will help you. But just know you have options, you have resources and like, I don't know, keep calm and carry on as the birds say. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that exists. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. If anyone wants to check out your podcast, we're going to be doing an episode together over there about some kind of celebrity gossip, zeitgeist, blind itemy things. And uh, we'll have to have you back someday soon because these lawsuits are like (laughs) not going to be stopping. I feel like we could do one of these every year and just do like the craziest lawsuits of that year. Yeah, I'd love that. I like love seeing how celebrities just like use lawsuits to exert their will in a way that I'm like, man, I have to make five phone calls and like write five letters and beg. I know. Isn't it bizarro? So we get to see how I would say how the other half lives. But once again, it really is the 1% of our 50. So (laughs) we'll be keeping an eye out for them. All right. Thank you so much, Cece. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. 